Morning and welcome to our LinkedIn live broadcast. My name is Martin Fuller and this is the second of a series of live conversations we're having about ecological transformation here on LinkedIn. Fiola is a world leader in driving the changes needed for the ecological transformation we need to experience in many of the facets of our modern life. And the facet we're taking a look at first in this series is something that surrounds us. It is, according to some recent studies, literally everywhere, including inside us. So, following on from my conversation with Tom Macbeth from Recoup last month, today I'm joined by a plastic expert from within Veolia, Tom Coleman, General Manager for Treatment. Tom, over to you. Can you tell us a bit more about yourself and your areas of expertise? Yeah, thank you, Martin. Um, yeah, I've, for my sins, been in this industry for over 20 years. Uh, my current role as General Manager for Treatment uh, has me as responsible for our plastics business that we operate uh, in Dagenham, but I have a wider portfolio that also includes composting, landfill, hazardous soils recovery. So it's, it's a very broad spectrum of, of operations, but um, hence I'm here today to speak about the one I'm perhaps most passionate about, which is our recycling operations. That's fabulous, yeah. Uh, always been one of the, uh, the exciting places to visit when we're doing our uh, our visits around the business. I, I, Dagenham's one of those sites I'm, I'm always keen to get to. Um, and it follows on nicely from what we were talking about with, with uh, Recoup in that the, that was the plastic packaging tax. Well, the facility at Dagenham is really important in, in that whole story. And the whole story indeed of circular economy and how we can adapt to a more sustainable attitude towards plastics. First, can I, can I ask you to tell us all a little bit more about that? The Dagenham facility and, and what takes place there and how it contributes to Veolia's sustainable goals? Uh, yeah, um, Dagenham is a plastics reprocessing facility. So in very simple terms, uh, we take in between 14 and 15,000 tonnes of uh, you know, natural HDPE. And for most people, they will recognise that as milk bottles. So a quick statistic for you, that's about 500 million milk bottles every single year. 500 million? 500 million. I did, have, I did have some statistics for how many pellets come out the back end, but I couldn't find that piece of paper this morning. But <laughs> that must be a big piece of paper that you wrote that number yeah. down on. Um, and, and the process there is it's a continuation of what happens from where the material is sorted into its polymers. So we receive that material there. Uh, it goes through additional sorting and reprocessing uh, and then starts a journey of um, separation, cleaning, granulation, with the final output being the extrusion of the plastic pellet. Uh, the big difference for Dagenham that perhaps makes us different to others is that this is a food-grade output facility. So the focus at Dagenham is, is more about the quality of input. Um, and so we work incredibly hard on the material that we're sourcing. But um, in essence, it is a bottle-to-bottle -bottle facility. So it's, you know, predominantly milk bottles in and milk bottles out, or the feedstock to make milk bottles out. What, what Violi doesn't do is do the conversion from pellet to bottle, um, but uh, we rely on our customer base to do that. That's fabulous, isn't it? It's great to think... Um... The, the, the milk bottle you're using is probably the same milk bottle you used. It's a bit like that statistic about the Thames and the water you drink in, in London it's been through, how many other fridges that milk bottle has been in in its lifetime. And, and that's, uh, I think, it's quite unique almost. Not, not 
too unique, but it's it's different in the the waste industry and the plastics recycling. I guess that we're we're so focused on food grade specification. I think that uh, from a, from an education perspective, I think you know if you're trying to share knowledge, mm. you know, it's a perfect example of you know how something that you place in your bin at the curbside is delivered back to you in ultimately in a matter of weeks in its same form. So yeah. you know, it's an exceptionally good news story uh, and something that, you know, Violi is incredibly proud of and I'm personally very proud of. Mm. You know, but from an education perspective, you can't get better because it's tangible. And I think yeah. that's quite critical. Uh, absolutely. And I guess it's, it's leading edge in a sense there at, at Dagenham in terms of how it's doing this in terms of the plastic circular economy. So do we constantly have to keep evolving and, and uh, investing in the system, investing in the process and the infrastructure to stay ahead of the curve? But, yeah, I think that at this stage of the process, you know, you simply cannot afford to sit still. Veolia mm. you know, will continue to invest in all of our plastics facilities because we've got to meet the demands. As, as I touched on earlier, this is a food grade output. So the requirements on us from a certification point of view are far greater than they are for a, a non-food grade producer. You know, and that links back to the quality of input that gives us the quality of output. You, know, you simply cannot afford to sit still. You know, if, if anything that's happened in the last five years is that, that you know, we've, we've probably spent 10 years on quite a slow, steady journey but within the last five years, you know, we've, we've put it in fifth gear and we're moving at a much, much greater pace than we ever have, ever yeah. have. I think that's definitely my, my, the experience I have and the interpretation I take. So looking at the UK plastic market to start, and maybe we expand that out a little wider into Europe and the globe later in the conversation, but what sort of impact has the Dagenham facility had on the UK market? Does it, does it have a, an impact? Is it? Um, yeah, it's, it, fundamentally, as I said earlier, there aren't that many, mm. you know, business units or facilities doing what we do. So actually, we, we almost one facility has the ability to create its own market. And again, the demand for food grade isn't diminishing. So actually, but that makes us different. Um, the reason being is that other reprocessors aren't dictating they need food grade. Hmm. So in essence, we, we're creating our own market for that food grade material. So even one operation in, in isolation can have a combination of destabilizing and stabilizing almost in the same process as far as what's happening in the UK market, you know, and ultimately what the UK wants to try and achieve uh, from a circular economy perspective around the types of facilities that we have. I'm having one of those light bulb moments where I, I get something now. So in plastic packaging tax, we're talking about 30% of the plastic needs to be made of or sourced from a recyclable source, not virgin. Yeah. And when you're saying food grade plastic, what we're saying here is, is, is obviously if you were making a, a plastic bottle or you're making one of those trays for uh, fresh meat, that has to be food grade. It can't yeah. just be any plastic. Exactly. It has to be plastic that's engineered yeah. to equality yeah yes yes yeah. so that the dairy industry dictates as, as you would expect you know it's a food storage product so yeah. in, in essence the 30 percent that the dairy industry has to find is not 30 percent of the total mass it's 30 percent of the food grade that's produced every year 
So yeah. yeah. So, so there's a lot of processing has to take place, maybe, and 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 how. If we were looking at that supply chain then for the plastics that you take into Dagenham, is it just you take it at the gate and you start there? Or does that specification go further upstream from where you source your materials? It does, yeah. So we work incredibly hard on the sourcing. Uh, there are restrictions on the type of material that you can source. Um, anybody who's in the plastics industry knows that you live and die by the yield that you produce, which is fundamentally how much comes in and how much comes out the other end, um, you know, because of process losses. And for food grade, that's even more challenging. Um, just some headline figures there. Uh, the quantity of food grade going in to achieve the certification that we have has to be near as damn it pure food grade in to get food grade out. And that's, what's, that's the requirement on us as a business. So if we, if we receive something through the front gate at 85% food grade, we have to do further processing to get it to the 97, 98, 99% before it goes into the process. And I love it. I, I, I love different. Yeah. And, and that changes the way that we source our materials. So we're now talking to um, customers within the wider Veolia business, you know, customers that we're servicing for their water needs, for their collection needs, for their recycling needs. And as I touched on earlier, that we're closing the loop for them. You know, ultimately we've got users of milk bottles if we pick coffee chains, you know, mm. um, restaurants and those sorts of things that we're closing the link between what we're collecting as a business and bringing that back to a facility that does something with it. So to a certain extent, we're cutting out the middleman and saying, mm. well, we'll take the milk bottle straight back off you. Thank you very much. Because we know we have origin yeah. And we have comfort about where it's come from with no intervention, and that's coming back into our business. And again, that's been a shift change in the last two to three years um, to make sure that we stick with the quality that we're producing. I think it really is a long way from that image of the uh, the waste industry, the recycling industry. Um, you know, it, 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 it's technical. It's highly engineered. It's uh, And you can see the impact that's having. A food grade manu sorry, a, a, a manufacturer who needs food grade quality plastic material needs to have this in their supply chain. They can't just, you say, go to the market and say, oh, just give me some plastic. Uh, yeah. It doesn't work that way. No. So it's, it's, you know, really here key that and, and obvious that Veolia are opening up that specification and driving the circular economy to achieve what society needs, I guess. And I think, and this is what's, you know, potentially on the horizon uh, in, the, in the nearish future that actually we're specifying the outputs from MRFs based on their end use. You know, so, yes. five years ago, a MRF would produce a variety of different polymers and they would go off to reprocessors. Hmm. And I think, remember, the plastics tax has meant that all packaging producers have to meet that requirement. So, and that's everyone. So hmm. the demand is increasing so then it's about almost deciding what the end use is at the point of collection, dare I say it, that you're saying, right, we need to stick with the quality agenda from start to finish. So mm. the type of collection is affected, the type of processing is affected, so that we're matching the end market. And I think that will become more critical as, as, as we move down along the journey. It, you can see that you can see that and i can hear hearing your voice a real passion for this subject so um has you know living in breathing this job for for as long as you have and 
has it changed you? You know, how you feel about sustainability in the circular economy? Um, I think I would say yes. You know, there's no, I'm, st- I'm still doing it. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm incredibly enthusiastic about it. I'm, I'm very fortunate within the Violia team that we have equally passionate people. Uh, I touched on it earlier. This isn't easy. Yeah. You know, these are 24-hour-a-day operations and they work most of the time, but if anybody says that they work all the time, that's rubbish, you know. And, but they're equally as passionate. And I think this is, I suppose, a bit of me rubs off on them and et cetera, et cetera. And, and I'm very fortunate in that respect. The team down at Dagenham are fantastic. Um, but they, they're presented with numerous challenges, you know, and those challenges change week in, week out. You know, from my perspective, I've got three young children. You know, I, I drum home to them what's good and what's not. Um, I've done a selection of presentations to a variety of different people over the years. The usual around what can I put in my bin and not put in my bin. But again, it links back to what I was saying. You know, a milk bottle to milk bottle is tangible. Mm. You know, let's say 99% of the UK population will know what a milk bottle is because they're using it. You know, and I think the reality is if you can say to someone, I'm guaranteeing that what goes in your bin comes back to you in two to three weeks' time, you know, it's moving away from those myths truths. Yeah. You know, that there are there's a lot of negative perception around plastics within um, within the media, you know, and, and 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 you know, to a certain extent it's understandable. Bad news travels a lot faster than good news, but it's mm. You know, there is a huge amount of work going on within organisations like Violia and part of its ecological transformation to get to that better place. You know, we're changing the marketing strategy that we have um, with the evolution of Plastic Loop, uh, Mm. which is an international marketing strategy about the types of polymers that we're producing everywhere, you know, not just in the UK. You know, Violia is an international organisation and I think we're getting some joined up thinking. And this is what I was saying about the journey speeding up because yeah. the pace is, is, is ranking up incredibly quickly. And it, and it needs to, you know, again, it, it is ecological transformation is one of those words that I think is used more inside our business than, than outside at the moment. But it's, I'm always struck by, by one of the strap lines of the, you know, ecological transition. We couldn't do it. It won't work. It's too slow. We have to transform. And clearly, you, you, you know, thank you for the, the work you and your team are doing to transform the circular economy for plastics. It's, it's the last 15 minutes have taught me things and, uh, and I'm inside the company. So thank you for sharing that with us. Can I ask you one more question, though? Of course you can. Um, so fabulous that we'd be doing what we're doing and great. You know, I love this tangibility of, of, yes, that milk bottle will come back to you in two weeks time. Um, it really does make the circular economy real. But what do you think we need to do now to adapt to a, a more, even more circular economy, an even greater circularity, and minimise that resource use of virgin materials? What has to happen? I think there's, there is a combination of carrot and stick. Uh, right. Plastics tax, there's your stick. Um, you know, and there's no denying that that has um, changed the way that. Uh, you know, uh, the UK economy is thinking about what it's doing with plastics. Um, I think there's further incentives that can be put there from a legislative point of view. Um, but then there's the carrot, which is all around the education. I said about mistruths. You know, there's a lot of misinterpretation about what goes on. 
you know, and frustration. Mm. I think what, what Viola is having to do and what our competitors will have to do is that we're being challenged with finding suitable solutions for a wide range of polymers or plastics that hit the market. And again, I think in the next five to 10 years, you will see, you know, the operation of businesses that we wouldn't have thought possible, you know, yeah. around what we can achieve because the demand is there and it's driven by consumer demand and quite rightly so. Mm. You know, we, we as a business want to provide the services that both our customers want, but also the general public is expecting. Fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we've had a couple of questions come in and, and we'll get to those questions uh, maybe offline if we run out of time. I'm aware of, of, of restrictions we've got there, but one, and it's going to call on your, your wider experience here, I think, that I would like to bring out because it, it links nicely to what you just said there. And that's talking about a, a use of plastic that's, that I'm aware of. Um, and that's in terms of clinical waste, um, single-use plastics within the, the sort of clinical environment um is there an option to treat clinical plastic waste so that it's not handled as general waste because obviously there's there's toxicology issues here but are you aware of any developments there I th we've we've talked about this for a, a fairly long period of time and i think um when i started this conversation around the food grade to food grade in essence, we are governed by the legislation that sits behind this and what we can achieve. So arguably, the legislation has to match the demand. So I would fully agree and fully support that there has to be a solution for clinical born plastics because the volume is enormous. Yeah. Absolutely. And we are, we are very conscious of that, I think. But there needs to be a robust system that sits behind that. You know, arguably, Veolia will be going off in one direction, but we need to stay parallel with what, um, you know, the, the legislation is suggesting and what the wider industry is demanding. But yes, you know, clinical at some point in time will have to be treated exactly the same. Uh, I, I, thank you for, the, for that insight. So we have to end with the big question, the big question, which requires probably a drum roll. Um, uh -huh. The most the question that you mentioned you you do talks I, I speak to people regularly too dinner parties I mean it's, it's like a Yorkshireman like me goes to a dinner party if I'm ever invited to somebody's house for a barbecue shall we say well, when um, I say dinner parties I say friends round for dinner it's, well yeah friends round for dinner when they come around uh, the question that I'm sure we get asked a lot caps on or caps off when you recycle a plastic bottle caps on caps on. Well, they have that, it. That, that, that links back to the fact that we have a facility that accommodates the caps because the caps have value. So I would rather see the caps arriving at Dagenham. If I was going to give one piece of advice for milk bottles, though, if I'm allowed to, please, it's the film on the top. So leave your cap, leave your bottle, but if you can do your very best to remove the aluminium foil around the top. That would be my dream. Thank you. Okay. So the entirety of LinkedIn has now been told. Leave the cap on, but get rid of that foil bit, please. Yeah. <laughs> we'll recycle that in another stream. Okay. Tom, thank you. That's been a great uh, conversation. I've enjoyed myself. I always enjoy a conversation with you, uh, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Thank you for those insights, and uh, I mm -hmm. hope everybody's enjoyed us. And I would like to invite you all to join us again in a few weeks' time, June the 7th, when I'm going to be talking to Kevin Davies, Procurement Director, and Danielle King, Responsible Business Manager, about ecological transformation 
and sustainable supply chains. Thank you for your time, everybody. Goodbye.